And uh, we've been unpacking kind of key characters and key stories throughout the book of Judges. So with Galatians, we went through it verse by verse. But here we're kind of just looking at some key characters, kind of going like a comic book style version of going through the text. And I actually, as a kid, I had a comic book Bible. I don't know if that's here in Germany or wherever you guys might be from. But uh, I think it's a cool way to look at some of these stories, and we want to kind of see where we can get application for our lives as well as looking at the context as a whole, which is a little bit easier when we're moving quickly or a little bit more uh, faster through the book. So last week we looked at Jephthah and kind of did a little bit of a study on him. We looked at how he's a, a hero in the sense that he was one of the judges, so he saved Israel from an oppressor, and God used him in a mighty way. We saw how he's this mighty warrior, and that's kind of the title that the people seem to give him. But he also was a little bit villainous in his nature and a little bit rash and kind of made some bad decisions along the way. And we learned that a lot of it kind of hinged from what we looked at in the beginning of the text, at how he was surrounded by these scoundrels is the word that the Bible used, and that we need to be cautious about the people in our lives and the people that we have close to us that are allowed to have influence in our lives. And we also looked at our words, that the power of life and death lies in the tongue. And with him, he gives this uh, rash vow to God and ends up being put in a situation where he has to sacrifice his only daughter, and so we need to be wise with our words in all senses, when, especially in communicating with one another. And also we looked at that vow that he made and that he tries to make a deal with God. But as believers, we don't have to make a deal with God. We don't have to come to him and say, all right, God, if, I, if you help me with this, if you get me through this situation, then I will read my Bible more, be a better Christian, go to church more. We don't have to come to him with deals. We can come to him as our father and say, God, I have a need and I trust you because you said I'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, not according to ours. He always gives us what we need, not always what we want. We also looked at, but he does give us what we need to get through situations. And uh, today is our first glance at Samson. I'm really excited about Samson. I've been excited about Samson since the beginning. It's definitely the coolest story in Judges and uh, one of the coolest stories maybe in the Bible. But that's just my opinion. But it's a cool story, and clearly it's one that the writer of Judges, and which most people claim is Sam, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, uh, clearly also found Samson to be one of the coolest stories because he gets four whole chapters and some of the judges only get like half a verse. So he, there was clearly some emphasis on Samson. And so we're going to actually take some time with Samson as well and look at him over the next three weeks. And uh, he's definitely an interesting one. With the other ones that we looked at, we see these kind of heroes from behind the scenes. And we see like with Deborah, who was kind of leading the leader, who was afraid to lead on his own. And so she comes in and is this backbone for him and leads uh, the people and the victory that they needed and delivers Israel. And we see Gideon, who is this unlikely hero who's kind of goes from fear and hiding and this cowardice, and God transforms him into a mighty warrior and how encouraging that is. But 
and also with Jephthah, who kind of bargains his way into the position as a judge over Israel. But with Samson, it's something a little bit different. He's not an unlikely hero. He's closer to a superhero in like as close as you can to a comic book definition of a superhero. And so we're going to look at him today as a superhero and look at kind of this character traits of him in that kind of sense and the full sense of what it means to be a superhero and why he is one. So we won't go through all the text. Like I said, we're doing this kind of comic book version. We're looking at key elements, key characters. And so it's, a, it's four whole chapters, uh, chapter 13 through 15. And we're going to kind of sporadically look through uh, various portions of it today and or to, uh, next week and the week after. We're going to be kind of grabbing bits and pieces of it. But I do encourage you to read the whole story, to read all four chapters. They're not long chapters. It's definitely doable, but within the realm of this sermon, I just don't think it was... We don't really have time, unfortunately. But I do encourage you to read it. And as always, and it's a good read. It's, I mean, if you like novels or, I mean, it's, it's like Lord of the Rings style. I mean, it's got some romance. It's epic. It's got some betrayals and battles. And it's, it's an interesting read for sure. And beyond that, uh, if you read it and you kind of find something that you're like, I don't, hey, I don't really know what this means or you have questions, I always want to encourage you guys to come and ask questions. And this is, we want this to be a place where we can have conversations about the Bible and always be wanting to go in deeper in our understanding and knowledge of Scripture. So I encourage you guys to read it and feel free to bring questions if you have them. Before we go any further, I just want to pray and give this time over to God. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and just these awesome characters, Lord, that we can look at and examine and learn from and grow from, and I ask you to teach us. I ask you to open our hearts, open our minds, and open our spirits to you, to be receptive, Father, to what you want to say to us, receptive, Lord, to your voice in our hearts. Lord, you can speak beyond uh, just the words, but you speak directly into our hearts and into our lives and the various situations that we all face. So I pray for your word and your will to be done for your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Cool. Well, before we get any deeper, I do want to apologize that uh, this might get a little geeky for those of you who aren't into comic books or have seen any comic book movies, although that's kind of becoming more and more rare. If you've been to the movies at all in the last, like, ten years, I mean, there was definitely a superhero movie playing, at least. They are flooding the market right now with superhero movies. So it seemed appropriate to kind of tie that in since we're looking at a superhero. And uh, I do love superhero movies and uh, read comic books a little when I was a kid. But uh, though the comic books are fun and can be pretty compelling and interesting and definitely the movies are entertaining, I don't think they have anything on the story of Samson. And for one very important and uh, I guess essential difference is that the story of Samson is real. That if we as Christians, if we can say, hey, this is the word of God that we're reading and this is the Bible and it's true, then this is a real person that actually existed. This is not just a made-up story 
this is not just a fantasy or a legend, but this is a real person that existed. And so he's got one up on all those other superhero movies. He was a real live superhero. And that's pretty exciting, I think. I don't know. You guys don't seem as excited as I am, but I think it's uh, pretty exciting to be reading about something, reading the Word of God and reading a superhero story at the same time. It's like, come on. There's not many other places you can do that. So if we're going to look at this as a superhero, anybody who's has read a comic book or seen any of the movies, especially if you get into the very geeky details, all superheroes have an origin story. They have the story of where they came from, and it answers the question, where did they come from? How did they get their powers? What was the background for the situation? And so that's what we're going to start with this morning. We're going to look at Samson's origin story. So his origin story, as it were, is found in chapter 13. And I want to start with verse 1. And for those of you who have been here from the very first message of uh, Judges, you're going to find this sentence very familiar. It seems to be the beginning of every story that we've looked at so far in Judges. So Judges 13, verse 1, Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Just like with Gideon, with Jephthah, with Deborah, and all the other ones that we didn't have time to get into, this is the continuing story, the cycle that the Israelites go through again and again all through, well, all through the book of, well, most of the books of the Old Testament, if we're being honest. They just seem to continually fall into this cycle. And so they've forgotten their God, they've forgotten his ways, and they're following other gods, doing their own thing, and God has delivered them into the hands of the Philistines. And as we looked at in the beginning and a couple other times through the other characters, that God, this is God's discipline, that God disciplines those whom he loves. He's trying to draw them back because he loves them, because he cares for them as a people. And uh, it's a great image of his love for us and how he draws us back to him. And so now the Philistines are their overlords, as it were. It's, they're occupying the land and control. So they're kind of in this kind of controlled and occupied country by an enemy, the Philistines. And again, we see the people oppressed. We see them discouraged. We see them kind of at this low point, and they're in need again of a savior. They're in need of a hero, and this time it seems even a superhero. So, yeah, I'm going to say that a lot. So, I told you it's going to get geeky. I warned you guys. So, continuing with his origin story, let's read verses 2 and 3. So, a certain man of Zorah named Menorah, 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 yes, from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth, the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. So this kind of amazing tale of this superhero, this origin story of Samson, Samson the Great, maybe, I don't know. I couldn't think of anything better. Sorry, I'm not very good with superhero names. And uh, 
there's kind of this one thing we have to point out that right at the beginning of his story, we see him kind of coming out of an impossible situation. So he was born already into something kind of amazing. His mom is barren. She's unable to have children. We don't know why. We don't know how old she is. We don't even know her name, which I found really interesting. There's no mention of her name. I guess they had forgotten it by the time this was written. But she was not able to have children. And already we see Samson kind of coming out of this impossible situation. And how the God's work is kind of already, already begun in him before he's even around. So, verse 4 and 5. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that, now this is the angel talking to the mom, uh, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So, Samson was set apart at birth. From the very beginning, we see him given this kind of destiny. We see him called to something great, dedicated to the Lord, and dedicated to be a Nazarite. I don't know if everybody knows what a Nazarite is, so I'm going to give a short version of it. If you want to know more, it's found in chapter 6 of Numbers, uh, verses 1 through 20. kind of lays out the whole idea. But the idea of a Nazarite was actually usually a decision that somebody made. A man or a woman would make a decision that they were going to dedicate themselves to God for a certain amount of time. And during that time, in order to be called a Nazarite, as they're, being, as they're kind of dedicating themselves completely to God in, uh, in worship and, and kind of living out this kind of uh, sacrificial living, these were some of the rules that they had to go by in order to maintain that title. One was no alcohol of any kind, no beer, no wine, nothing, no schnapps, no alcohol at all. And uh, an interesting one, no grapes, and it gets very specific. There's like no, no wine so from grapes, no grape juice, no seeds of grapes, no grape skins, no vine stems. So literally anything to do with grapes, avoid altogether. So, and also they must never be near a dead body. And it gets really also kind of interestingly specific. If you're having dinner with somebody and they just suddenly died, you have to kind of start the vow over again. It was very, you could not be around anything that had died at all. And uh, lastly, no haircuts. So just let it grow all natural. And that was the way. That was, uh, that was, those were the rules, the basic rules of being a Nazarite. And after the time, so when they would say, okay, I'm going to dedicate seven years or whatever it would be, they would, at the end of that, there would be, there was a lot of sacrifices and stuff that, and rituals that would happen, and then they would shave their head completely, and then they were allowed to drink and eat grapes and, I guess, be near dead things, but whatever. So that, it was, that's what being a Nazarite was. And I think that's kind of important because as we look at Samson, we'll see how that works out with him. 
So Samson was set apart at birth, dedicated to the Lord, and the difference here is that he was dedicated a little outside of his will. He was dedicated at birth and uh, kind of just chosen to be this Nazarite, dedicated to the Lord. We see that in other examples of that. Samuel, the prophet Samuel, for example, was also at uh, his mom gave him to the um, priest as a dedication to the Lord. And so there are other instances where people were kind of dedicated even as children. So he's called to this, or given this great purpose, this kind of mission. And, uh, you know, this is kind of like the part in the movies where the kind of usually older wise man comes and says, you know, you have a destiny. You must fulfill your destiny. Whatever, something like that. And I know that I'm not, a, I'm not a superhero. I definitely don't have any super strength or anything. And I don't think any of you guys are superheroes, unless you have, like, secret identities. Just, I'm watching you guys. But we are set apart. We are called to a purpose. Psalms 139.13 says... For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's awesome news, guys. We are also set apart even at birth. Even at birth, God had an idea and a destiny for us in mind. It's no accident that you're here. You know, the cliche, you might have been a surprise to your parents, but you weren't a surprise to God. It's good news. God knew that you'd be you, and he set you apart to, for a purpose and for a destiny. He's our creator, and he loves us, and in that love, he gives us this purpose and this calling that's set in our hearts and in our lives. And each one of us, is, it's something specific. Continuing on, verse 24 and 25. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Now, we were fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. We're set apart. We're knitted in our mother's womb, called to a purpose. And as believers, this work is always stirring within us through the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is alive and active within us, stirring us and creating in us what God is calling us to be for this work that we were designed and designated to accomplish, this purpose that we were placed here. There's a reason for us. Nothing is an accident. Nothing is a surprise to God. We least of all He has a purpose and a plan for us. The Bible's very clear about this. Now, every superhero has a destiny. Samson, no exception. As we saw in the last of verse 5, so of chapter 13, it says, He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So that was his purpose. That was what he was created 
and designated to do. Now, he leads the way in this, but uh, he is not. Uh, he doesn't see victory, and uh, actually, the um, Israelites are dealing with them for years after this. Even King David. I mean, the story of David and Goliath. Goliath was also from this same group of people, the same oppressor. But he does lead the way in this, and he gets the gets it going, gets the party started, if you will, and. He led Israel for 20 years. And he did all that he did, all that he accomplished, was through the power of the Holy Spirit within him. And that was the source of his strength. That was the source of his superpower. So as we're looking at his origin story, that is where his strength came from, through the Holy Spirit within him. And... I'll look at uh, one pretty extreme example. So Judges 14, verses 5 and 6. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward them. him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor mother what he had done. So, just to be clear, that's not normal ability. Not normal people can't do that. That's kind of insane. I don't know if you've ever seen a lion. Even if it's a young lion, it's huge and strong and massive and definitely not something... You would want to get in a fight with, especially with your bare hands. So he did, and it seems to be no big deal to him because he doesn't even like mention it. I mean, I just mom and dad are like, "So what'd you do today? Uh, nothing, nothing to speak of, nothing important." Ripped a lion to pieces. Whatever. Pretty insane. Definitely, I think we can qualify him as a superhero. Another cool example is, um, this is kind of the backstory of this, is that the people, the Israelites actually feel that they're, he's kind of causing a lot of drama with their oppressors, and so he, they decide they're going to capture him and deliver him over. And he kind of just says, all right, I'll agree to go with you. And... As he is, as they're turning him over, as the Israelites are turning him over to the Philistines, in this is in chapter fifteen, verse four, fourteen and sixteen. As he approached Leah, the Philistines came toward him, shouting, "The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands." Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. It's a great line. Dude, this guy's crazy. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. That's also not normal. And this wasn't like a thousand you know, children, which would also just, that's just be brutal, but 
This was a thousand fighting men. They would have been strong and also they knew who Samson was. So they were prepared and armed and had swords and he had a jawbone of a donkey. And he killed a thousand of them and then mocks them as, as he does. But in both examples, the source of his strength is again revealed. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. That was the source of his strength ultimately. Although he's famous for having the source of his strength be in his hair, but it was ultimately in the spirit within him. So Samson was not just given a purpose. He was not just given a calling. He wasn't just set apart from birth. He was given what he needed to accomplish what he was set out to accomplish. So he was supposed to shake things up, rile up the people, rile up the enemy. And he was good at that. Pretty good at it. But God also gave him the strength and the power to be able to accomplish what he was calling him to do. Now personally, again, I wasn't given the power of super strength. Unfortunately, that would be pretty cool. But each one of us is given gifts from the Holy Spirit. Each one of us has the power from the Holy Spirit to accomplish what God is calling us to do, to achieve our destiny, to do the thing we were created to do, to achieve our purpose that we were set apart at birth to achieve. We see examples of this all through the Bible. Jeremy, uh, Jeremiah, not Jeremy. Jeremiah is one of my favorite examples where we see God saying how he called him even from the, his mother's womb to the purpose. And we're called to a purpose and we're given what we need to achieve it. And it's important to know that and to remember it and to seek it out If you want, uh, or I want to encourage you guys, if you feel like, hey, I, I'm not sure what that is. I'm not sure what God has called me to do. Uh, first of all, we are where we are. And so we can always be doing what God's calling us to do in the place that we're at. In our service of him and loving God with all our heart and loving people and loving our neighbor as ourselves. But I want to encourage you guys, if you want prayer for that or you want to talk about that, that this is also a, a good place to do that, that we want to come together and be able to be praying with each other about what God is calling us to do. That's a part of the vision of church, is to help find each other's callings and destiny. So I want to encourage you guys with that. So back to our superhero breakdown of Samson. Another thing that we see in all the comic books, or most of them, and the movies that superheroes have is a weakness. Most famous one, of course, is Superman with his kryptonite. I think everybody has at least heard that, even if you have no clue about superhero stuff. <laughs> and so Superman had kryptonite. Samson, too, has a weakness. He has something that seems to melt him a bit. And he has a few weaknesses, but they seem to all be 
keyed into one particular element and that stands out above the rest and the thing that leads to his eventual demise and eventual death. And it's one that's pretty old in the book and it's falling in love with literally the worst women ever. (laughs) Not that the women in themselves cause the problem. I want to be very clear here, especially to those who are in relationships. It's never the woman's fault for how you act. That's very clear. But his falling in love seems to weaken his ability to see reality. And um, unfortunately, we won't have time to get into all of the situations today. And next week, we'll hopefully be looking at uh, Samson and Delilah, the more famous one. But just to give a few examples. So Judges 14 Verses 1 through 2, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. It's pretty commanding. And uh, they do argue with him, but they end up doing it. And it was forbidden for an Israelite to be with a foreign woman. And... Um, doesn't seem to front him. He sees something he likes and forgets all reason and forgets everything else in his life. This is definitely a kryptonite for him and a weakness for him and leads to a lot of the other faults that he makes and bad decisions he makes in his life. It's definitely the start or the beginning of his downfall. And now God does use his weaknesses I want to be clear, because the Bible actually says, uh, there's a verse that says that it was, it was from God, this, this kind of, God's kind of using this uh, weakness of his still for the greater good of the people. And though it was uh, good for the people, because the, God kind of uses these, this, these bad decisions he makes um, to help deliver the people, it's not good for Samson himself. And so uh, I think we should try to avoid Weaknesses, And in his case, this leads to a lot of other sins. In uh, 14, 8 through 9, sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. This is the one that he had ripped into pieces. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it, ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they ate it too. But he did not tell them that he had taken it, taken the honey out of uh, from the lion's carcass. So he was a Nazarite, and as I explained, not allowed to be around dead things. Definitely feel like eating honey out of dead things would qualify as being around them. So he ate some dead lion honey, which is again forbidden for him as a Nazarite. And after that, he does go, he marries her, and they party, so then he drinks, which another thing that he was not supposed to do. And it starts to be clear, so we, that he's, he kind of is like slowly checking off all of the things that he's not supposed to do. The only thing he seems to be okay with is just letting his hair grow wild into like long dreadlocks, so the, as it clearly was, it says that he had some sort of long locks, seven locks. And he, uh, he goes to this party, 
And he, he says this riddle, and I want to share it with you guys just because I find it quite interesting. So they're partying, and at the beginning he shares a riddle. Uh, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. Talking about the lion eating honey out of it. And he makes this bet with them that his soon-to-be in-laws, never a great idea, and the other and a few of the other guests, and that if they can guess what the riddle, the answer to the riddle, before the end of the feast, which would have been seven days, then they, he'll give each of them a change of clothes, and it was thirty of them. But if they don't, then they have to give him thirty changes of clothes, and. They can't figure it out, and they get really frustrated, and so they tell his soon-to-be, you know, his wife, that if she doesn't tell, get the answer, that they're going to kill her and her family, and so she kind of manipulates him into revealing the the truth of the of this riddle, and then he kind of gets really angry, and to pay the debt, he just goes out and murders eight guys, and takes their clothes, and then gives the clothes to the the guy. So we can kind of see how this kryptonite in his life, this weakness in his life, kind of just leads out of control really quick. So he's easily manipulated and just kind of melts when the woman starts to press him. She does press him pretty hard. It says that she pressed him for days, so she was persistent. But uh, he is not able to resist her and then kind of goes a little bit crazy. And after that, they give his wife away to his best man. And then he gets really angry. And uh, I'll just read it really quick. This is kind of his response to them giving his wife to someone else. So Samson said, uh, this is uh, chapter 15, verses 3 through 5. Samson said to them, This time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. Wow, that's scary. So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails, lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. And he burned up the stalks of standing grain together with vineyards and olive groves. That's pretty intense scene. I can't imagine how that looked. Like, first of all, catching 300 foxes, I mean, that sounds really difficult. Tying them tail to tail, I mean, they're not going to just sit there patiently letting their tails be tied together. So he, this is, this is when he's angry. This is, how, this is what he does for revenge. And, uh, and, and God is kind of using his weakness here because he's trying to rile up the situation between the Israelites and the Philistines, and it's working, but again, it doesn't mean that that was God's idea. The fox thing, was I don't believe that was God's intention or idea. He's using the situation. God can work anything out for good, and uh, he did want to work good for the people. But again, uh, we see this kind of weakness that he has when it comes to women and the being in the presence of women. And uh, especially, and it mentioned several times that he loved them. So he had, it was, he had a big heart. It's not just big biceps, apparently. So he kind of just melted with when a woman gave him the attention that he was looking for. And ultimately, this 
is his complete downfall. And as I mentioned, it leads even to his death. And next week we will look at Samson and Delilah and how that turns out. But the point is this. Samson is this kind of mighty superhero. There's something kind of amazing about him. He's a superhero of a man. And he's given all these gifts, these kind of superhuman strength by the, through the power of the Holy Spirit for a destiny that he was set apart at birth to do. And yet, he also has great weaknesses. And I don't think that it's just a superhero thing to have weaknesses. And so I ask you guys, do you know what your kryptonite is in your life? Do you know what the kryptonite what your weakness is. Maybe it's women. Maybe it's men. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's covetousness. Always feeling like everyone else has something better. And whatever the key sin, a lot of times we'll have these key sins in our heart that can lead us down these roads that lead us further and further away from what God has intended for us. We have a purpose. In Christ, we are these mighty warriors. And in him, we can, we're called to a purpose and we can do all things through him, kind of like a superhero. But there's also a villain in our lives. There's also one that loves to see us fall and fail and fall short of that purpose of that mission not achieving our full potential in first peter 5 8 and i've read this before it's a good one to memorize be alert and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour he will exploit our weaknesses he's going to seek them out in us and it's all the more easy for him to do that if we're not aware that we even have weaknesses, which from what I can see in Samson's life, he does not seem to get the clue of what his kryptonite is, of what his weakness is. And so I'll leave you guys with a few things. The first is to know you have a weakness. As human beings, that's a part of the life that we live in in this world. We're going to be prone to weaknesses. We're going to have kryptonites in our lives. And so we need to know that that's a thing, that that is a real issue. There's not just, you know, here and there bad situations. There's going to be specific things that are going to be always more of a temptation, more of a struggle for us in our walk with God. And so the second is to know what those are. Know what your weaknesses are and call them out. Call them what they are. Call them the, the weakness that they are in your life. Because when you are aware of it, when you are kind of just putting this putting this thing in as a, as something that you know is something you're going to struggle with it's going to be easier to deal with and that is the third thing I want to say fight it fiercely don't don't fight it lightly don't just try to you know it's not just about uh trying to well I'll try harder next time let's really fight these things fiercely with a fierceness. In Hebrews 12.4, I think this is the most dramatic description of fighting sin in our lives. It says, In your struggle against sin, 
you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. That's fighting it fiercely. That's fighting it with passion. I mean, and the writer here is, is implying that we really have to fight it to the, that point where we're almost at the point of bloodshed. And the point is, or the meaning is, do all you can to fight sin in your life fiercely. And I want to just to define sin in a simple, simple definition is anything that goes against the nature or the character of God, anything that rebels against God's true intention, God's nature and the character of who God is, is sin in our lives. And we've looked at a lot of those, uh, especially in Galatians, of these lists that we see in Scripture of sins that we want to avoid in our lives. So I encourage you guys, know your weakness, know you have them, know what they are, and fight them fiercely. In James 4, 7, it says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So this is about the best defense against these weaknesses in our lives is a good offense. Instead of only holding up the shield and kind of pushing through the muck of that temptation, it's get out of the muck. Be close to God. Know his word. Know his character. Study his ways so that we can truly, with our whole heart and with all that we are, submit ourselves wholeheartedly to him and to who he is. This is a huge help in achieving those purposes, achieving those destinies that God has put upon us from our mother's womb. Samson did some pretty crazy and pretty amazing things, and he did them through the strength of the Holy Spirit, who is our helper. Now, in two weeks, we'll talk about how the Spirit left Samson. And then he was just some guy. He lost his strength due to a woman. Not directly, but you know what I mean. Giving into his weakness. But we have Christ who said he will never leave us or forsake us. He is our ultimate hero, our perfect hero. And we don't have to be superheroes in and of ourselves. We, uh, we need only to trust in Christ and his spirit that is working in us always. I'll invite the band to come back up. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because, you, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. In this life, we represent Christ to the world as Christians, as believers. That's our ultimate call. Our ultimate purpose is to bring God glory by representing him to the world in the way that we love him and the way that we love one another. That's our purpose. And our strength is the Holy Spirit. Our strength that allows us to accomplish anything that God puts in our life, whether it's overcoming the weaknesses in our life, or it's accomplishing some great purpose that maybe, maybe even something specific that he's put in your heart and your life, in a direction maybe that he's put on you. It's always through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's never our own strength. 
Apart from the Holy Spirit, we're just ordinary people. It's through him that we're capable of the impossible. Through Christ, all things are possible. And in him, we can boast, as Paul says, I boast in the cross, not in myself, but in who he is and what he's done. So I want to encourage you guys to be encouraged by that and be strengthened that the Spirit of God lives within you and has given you all you need. So I want to, we're going to sing one more song. I want to invite you guys to stand up and let's worship our God and our Creator. Thank you.